Greetings from Bishop Aubrey Shines and G2G Ministries in Tampa, Florida. We pray that you would be blessed and encouraged by the biblical message you are about to hear. Today's classic sermon from Bishop Shines is part three of Fundamental Doctrines, with reference scripture Hebrews chapter 6, verses 1 and 2, and John chapter 1, verses 1 and 14, all in the Amplified Classic Translation. of this. Now remember, last week, I went over the doctrine of repentance. And again, I chose just several scriptures, scriptures to make sure there was a proper platform that was set. But I'm begging you as pastor, please purchase yourself a journal. Take these notes. I say this to you all the time. I still have notes from 30 years ago that I've taken from a scripture and from speakers, from leaders, pastors that I still visit at time and time again. And these notes will help you in time to come. It is very difficult uh, for me to take such a short period of time to go over this, but I'm going to try my best to give you the basic of these doctrines. Every believer needs to understand these basic doctrines. And so I want to make sure you get it. So here's the platform and the fun, the foundation of this platform. Let's go over to the Amplified in this one here and just remain standing for just a moment after we will have read out of the Amp. Just verse 1 and verse 2. Again, this is the basic why I'm teaching what I'm teaching. And let's read this together. If you can see the screen in front of you, just say, man, I need to hear your voice. If you can't see it, just scoot up a little more to a screen, get you some glasses. <laughs> how many wear glasses? Listen, our young people in the back today, how many wear glasses here? Let me, oh, it's a whole lot of us. All right, all right. How many know you need? If you're standing next to someone and they, they, don't, they didn't raise their hand, but you know, they need to raise a hand. Just raise your hand for them. All right, Charles. Uh, tell it on your wife, Tim, Pammy. You better watch him. Better watch. It's him. It's you, man. You better get you some glasses, man. Somebody have some glasses alone to Charles. Anybody have any Coke bottles? Anything? I'm just, I'm just kidding, man. I didn't mean that. Like, yes, I did. All right, let's go into the word of the Lord. Come on, to the Amplified, just verse 1 and verse 2. Come on, read with Pastor. Therefore, let us go on and get past the elementary stage in the teachings and doctrine of Christ, the Messiah, advancing steadily toward the completeness and perfection that belong to spiritual maturity. Let us not again be laying the foundation of repentance and abandonment of dead works, dead formalism, and of the faith by which you turn to God with teachings about purifying, the laying on of hands, the resurrection from the dead, and eternal judgment and punishment. These are all matters of which you should have been fully aware of long, long ago. Grab someone by the hand, please, before you take your seat. Look at him or her eyeball to eyeball. As a matter of fact, remain standing. I want you to read this one other portion with me. But please grab the hand real quick. If you don't mind, tell them these are things that you need to have learned a long, long time ago. Tell them we're going to learn them now. All right, remain standing. Let's go over to St. John, St. John. Let's go over to St. John, the first chapter and the first verse. St. John 1 and 1. And then what we'll do is we'll go from there and we're going to go all the way down then to verse 14. Now, I strongly recommend that during the course of this week that this becomes your Bible study. Can we, can we have an honest, can I take an honest poll before we read this? Please be honest. Please be honest. Please be honest. How many open up your Bibles, whether it's on a tablet or whatever, and you read something every week? I ain't going to even ask you every day. I'm just going to go with the week. Oh, I can grab more. All right. If you know that you're not daily eating something out of the word, can I challenge you before we go on this fast? And we're about to go on one, by the way. I'll let y'all know when that's going to happen. Right before Christmas. But anyway, that's a whole nother issue. 
I'm going to thin some of y'all out in here. I'm going to make your little cheeks go inside. You're going to look like you just was on the pipe. Anyway, this is what I want you to do. <laughs> this is what I want you to do. I want you to know the word of the Lord. So please, please, when you go home this week, allow part of your reading, not just to be the notes that I'm going to give you, but read the verses that I'm suggesting to you that I don't have time to go into. So I want you to read all of John 1 through and uh, all the way through 14, but we're going to just highlight 1 and 14. Come on, go with me over in the amp translation. Uh, let's do this. I'm sorry. I'm making you toggle Audrey back and forth. Stay in St. John, but go over to the King James with me. And then we'll get over to the amp in just a moment. If you all can see that, please say amen. All right, good. Come on. Read with pastor beginning at verse one. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. Stay right there. If you notice both in your Bible and on screen, which is uh, indicative of your KJV, your King James Version, that the word word is capitalized. There is a reason for that. We're going to explain it uh, in just a few here. Let's do this. Tag over with me. Same verse over in the Amplified Translation as well. All right. There it is. All right. Come on. Read with Pastor this last time. In the beginning, before all time, was the word Christ and the word was with God and the word was God himself. All right. I think you got to be seated, be seated, be seated. I'm going to take you through one more uh, verse of scripture. And that is verse number 14, verse 14. So please take a quick look at that. I'll go to the King James and then I'll go over to the amp in verse 14. That's John 1, 14 in the King James, and then we'll go over to the Amplified Translation as well. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. If you can see 14 in the King James, read that. You don't have to stand for it, but let's read that together. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Go over with me now to verse 14 in the Amplified Translation. Look at that with me. Come on, read that with me as well. Let's read. And the word Christ became flesh, that's human, incarnate, and tabernacle fixed his tent of flesh, lived a while among us, and we actually saw his glory, his honor, his majesty, such glory as an only begotten son receives from the father, full of grace, favor, long kindness, and what? And truth. Now, I gave this example in the first service, so bear with me. I need to give you some of the same examples here as well. The language there in verse 14 talks about him tabernacling among us. Now, let me put you in an Old Testament mind. Everyone say with me, Old Testament Israel. Say it again, Old Testament Israel. Repeat this with me, New Testament church. So every time you see that word, at least in the New Testament, it is part of the Old Testament where there was a certain structure, a certain order that when the people heard the word of the Lord and how God moved during that time, there would be tents and or what we call tabernacles erected and, and the ark uh, would go with the ark represented where the word of the Lord was. And we'll get into that a, a little later. But wherever the word was, it would go from tent to tent or from tabernacle to tabernacle. And as a result of it, wherever that was, that's where God was for the most part speaking through. There was a certain dynamic that he spoke through and not that in, in all cases, but uh, in order for me to make this point, I want to make sure you get it. Now, here's what is something you need to take note of. If you don't have an understanding of this foundation, 
as far as faith in God. In order to understand this, you must first understand, and again, this is the doctrine or the basic doctrines of Scripture. We already went over repentance, but if you don't have a basic understanding of faith in God or the doctrine of the faith in God, I'm telling you, as sure as you're sitting there, you will make life choices. And I'm not talking about just business choices. I'm talking about choices, period. You will make them based out of your emotion, out of an environment that may not have been the most healthy environment. How many know some of us come out of environments that if we could have done it, we would rewrite that whole screen in our life? That means that there's some things that we've come out of that we realize it wasn't necessarily as healthy as it should have been or could have been. And as a result, we all are products of it. Often we have made decisions based in it and through it. And as a result of it, uh, we find various challenges. So in order to understand this basic doctrine of faith as it relates to one of the what I call elementary or what Paul calls one of the elementary teachings of scripture, then you're going to have to understand what is called the doctrine of faith. And again, this won't give you every scripture, but I'm going to lay a foundation for you. So one of the things that we see according to John, and that is John was dealing with this uh, in such a way that he was showing us that God was manifested in the flesh. And that's why we know in John 1, 1, for the, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. Now, I, I hope you can bear with me here because there's a lot in this. Again, I've used this before if I've been in a debate uh, with someone that does not have a proper doctrinal understanding of Scripture. Uh, for instance, in the new, uh, one of their new translations, uh, what is that called? The uh, Jehovah's Witness. They actually use this scripture, but what they do is, if you ever study, and I've taught classes when we were at the other church on uh, some of the basic doctrines of, of, uh, of, the, of, of our community, of our world, when I say community, I'm speaking globally here, that they would use this scripture, but if you look at their translation, it was a very poor translation, by the way, they would actually substitute the word God and put a small g, and not only would it put a small g, they actually put Michael, Michael the archangel down. So what they were implying was that uh, God uh, manifested, but he only manifested through some sort of an angel. But that's not what the scripture says. Now, here's a rule of law. And I'm not talking about in, 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 in our society. I'm talking about a law of interpretation. Never forget this law. It is called understanding what is called a three principle law. Out of the mouth of two to three witnesses, Deuteronomy and Corinthians, let every word or doctrine be solidified. So out of the mouth of two to three witnesses, let every word be established is the way the King James puts it. But anytime you have an establishment is when you have something like a foundation that is poured, let it be settled. So the way you settle doctrine is never, ever. As a matter of fact, say this with me, say under no case, come on, say under any case at all. Come on, don't look at anyone. Point your hand on your own heart. Say, under no case or any case, am I allowed to find one scripture and build a doctrine on it? All right. So the way we build doctrine is we take multiple scriptures and those multiple scriptures have to say the same thing. Because if you don't have it that way, then people can take a scripture and they can make it mean whatever they want it to mean. Amen. I often tell the joke. I didn't make it up. I heard it before, but it's, it's pretty funny where it's, uh, someone allegedly says they take their Bible and they say, God, I can't hear you. I need you to speak to me. So whatever this Bible opens to, this is what I'm going to do. They take the Bible and they close it. But then when it hits the table, it opens and it really doesn't make sense to them. They, they read it and it says, Judas, went and hung himself. And because they didn't understand it and they know their name wasn't Judas, they said, well, God, if you're really speaking to me, please make this clear. They close the Bible, they take it and they drop it again and it opens in another passage and it says, go and do likewise. Now, how many know God that wasn't God? Come on, touch two people and tell them God doesn't speak like that. So we don't have to just open up the Bible and figure this out. There, is, there are methods 
in order to understand the scripture. So if God was indeed in flesh manifested, it should be in scripture more than just one time. It would be incorrect for me to take this scripture and then only take this one verse of scripture only to prove a point. That is what occults do. That is what people that are cultic do. They take a scripture to make their point. Well, we're not a cult. We believe in the full revelation of scripture. And because of it, the scripture has power to stand on its own merit. And if it doesn't, then we all need to give up. So let's go a little further. So what I want you to see, we'll leave John and go with me, if you don't mind, uh, over to 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy, the third chapter, still dealing with the, the, the uh, doctrine of the faith in God. So let's go over to 1 Timothy, 1 Timothy, the third chapter, and we're going to begin at the KJV, and let's look at the 16th verse. I said this in the first service many years ago when I would buy different translations. I would literally use this, uh, this specific verse to find out if the translation I was buying, purchasing, was a translation that fit the original language. If this verse did not live out the same way in every translation, I never regarded then that particular translator as someone that had accurate uh, understanding because they did not hold to the principles or the doctrine. So again, everyone say with me, basic doctrine, understanding the area of faith, as well as the deity of God. All right, come on, let's go a little further. Look at the 16th verse. Come on, read this with me. Come on, let's read it. And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. Watch this. Now, the next word you're going to see right after the semicolon, make sure you write it down, is the word God. Now, notice what you don't see. That word God is not in a small letter. It is capitalized for a reason. Come on, go with pastor here. And without controversy, come on, I can't hear you. And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up into glory. Please write this down in your journal. You and I just read again the Trinity of God. So we don't serve three separate gods. We serve a God that manifests himself in three persons. Uh, one of the examples I personally like to use to make it simple. After you've written that down, I want you to take your right hand, if you don't mind, and I need your imagination to work with me this morning. I want you to pretend... Look at, uh, put your right hand in front of you if you don't mind, and pretend you're holding a peach. Now, I don't know about you, but peaches is one of my favorite fruits. Do I have any other peach lovers here? How many say, I just don't like them? I know some of y'all don't like them because it's too fuzzy for you. Give me the fuzz. Give me the whole deal. I will consume the peach. Now, if you had a peach in your hand, imagine it for just a moment. What would be the first thing that you would see would be what? The outside of that peach or the skin of that peach. Let me ask you a question. Come on, keep looking at it. Is that part of the peach? If you were to bite into the peach, you would see some meat. Oh, God, what good meat it is. You would see some what they call the meat of the peach or right under the skin. There is some meat. Once you bite it, you would still see it. Is that part of the peach? If you consume the whole peach... And what would be left in your hand is a seed. My question is, is that still part of the peach? Would you then be able to say, no, no, it's three separate peaches here. Why? Because one peach defined into three traits, the skin, the meat, and the seed, still one peach. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost. All three, one. All right, are we, are we okay? 
All right, come on and go with me a little further. Toggle over with me, if you don't mind, over into uh, the uh, Amplified Translation. Again, I want you to see this from multiple uh, places. I can hear some of you now. Pastor, I can't wait until you preach or teach about something that I'm personally going through in my life. I have a bad job. I have a bad relationship. I have bad children. I have bad parents. I live in a bad community. This message is not helping me because I, I, I have some bad things going on. Nothing is working out in my life. Let me rebuke you and encourage you at the same time. If you get this word in you about who God really, really is, he will change your personal life. He will change your financial life. Everything about your life will change. What I'm trying to do is to get you to put God first. Touch two people and tell them, I know you're going through something personal. Come on. But tell them you got to put God first. You know what Jesus said? Seek ye first the kingdom. He said in all these things that you are in need of, that you're dealing with, he says, I'll give you those things. So let's not focus on the things. Let's focus on the God that is able to give you all the things you have need of. Somebody say amen. Now go with me if you don't mind. Again, over to the amp. Let's look at verse 16 in the Amplified. Come on, read with pastor. And great and important and weighty, we confess. I can't hear you. Come on, go back to the top. Y'all going to have to listen. You scream at your children much louder than that. How many have ever needed a taxi? Well, I live in the wrong place to say that. I guess Tampa really don't take taxis here, do you? Uber. All right. So you, you got an app now. Boy, life has really changed, hasn't it? Man, I'm telling you, follow me to Chicago, New York. You scream to taxi. You know, they can hear you through the window. So, but, so I need you to pretend that you're not calling Uber, but you're calling somebody next to you. All right, come on. Read with me out loud. Verse 16. And great and important and weighty, we confess, is the hidden truth, the mystic secret of godliness. He, God, stop right there, in your bracket, if you look up right now, it did not make him Michael, the archangel. It, it did not say God uh, with a small G. It is a capital G dealing with the God of creation, the God of the universe. Everybody say man. All right, come on, go back to the top. I wanted to pause. I want to make sure you get it. Let's read it one more time. Verse 16. And great and important and weighty, we confess, is the hidden truth, the mystic secret of godliness. He, God, was made what? Visible in human flesh, justified and vindicated in the Holy Spirit, was seen by angels, preached among the nations, believed on in the world, and then taken up. Boy, if that doesn't tell you who God is in three persons, I, I don't know what will. Now, here is one scripture I want you to turn to over with me really quick. John 8, that's the gospel of John, the eighth chapter. John 8, and let's go all the way down at least until, oh, I don't know, uh, verse 51 maybe. And once I get there, I may have you to back up just a few more. Yep, I want you to back up a few more. Okay, yeah, let's go all the way to verse 48. All the way to verse 48. Now, this is something, uh, I don't want to get into the whole story of it, but uh, a Jewish friend of mine, uh, he and I, in discussing some things once, and I, you know, here's my deal. If I'm friends with you, uh, you're going to know what I believe in. I want y'all to let that sink in. I don't understand some of you that have friends and nobody know what you believe in. I'm just asking, could it be because you really have no belief system? I don't know. I'm only asking a question. If, if you're around someone, at least the older saints and older parents taught that birds of a feather. So whatever you're around, you got to be a part of. Uh, let me make it a little clear. Let me make you really mad. E either you are influencing someone or you are being influenced. There is no two ways about this. Either you are making this indelible impression in whatever area you are in, or someone else is making an impression on your life. I'll put it another way. Either you are the leader, or you are a follower. Uh, well, Pastor, can't I be both? Nope. 
No, no, it doesn't really work that way. Now, you can serve in the spirit of a leader, but that's just a quality or personality trait as it relates to leadership. But either you are in, uh, ahead <laughs> or you're behind. Either you are in front or you're behind. Either you are on top or you're under the bottom. Either it is yes or it's no. Either it is right or it's wrong. Well, what about the gray area? Again, that's a person without an understanding. At the end of the day, there is going to be an absolute position that is taken. Either God is who he said he is or he's not. Either Jesus is the truth or he's a liar. You can't have it both ways. So I, I want to take you for a ride. This is something I shared, uh, shared with him. And uh, boy, I really, really got him because uh, he adheres to a lot of uh, the law with orthodox beliefs and that sort of thing. And I always use this scripture here uh, because in the Jewish community, they adhere very strongly uh, to the teaching of Abraham, Isaac and, and Jacob and, and the whole Old Testament. And, and if you if you Commit this to memory. I assure you, this is going to bless you understanding the doctrine of faith. Now, either Jesus is who he said that he is, or he's not. We're going to find out. Go to verse 48. Let's go to the King James. Let's look at it real quick. Let me just read it for you. Then answered the Jews. Now, this is very important because Jesus is speaking to the Jewish leadership of his day. And these are people that were very staunch as it related to uh, their outward expression of who they say they really believed in. So they were true followers of Abraham, by the way, which is all of our spiritual father. And so they were adhering to the words of Abraham. But I want you to watch how Jesus dealt with this issue here. Again, remember who he's talking to. He's talking to a bunch of a group of Jewish leaders. Then answered the Jews. And this is what they said. We'll go to verse 47. Let's go up one more. Just one more. Let me start there. He that is of God heareth God's words. Ye therefore hear them not. These, this is Jesus talking to those Jews. Therefore, you don't hear them not because you are not of God. Wait a minute. That doesn't sound like the meek Jesus. You all make me try to believe that he is. Wow. This Jesus actually had an opinion. All right. That's a free one. I just thought I'd hit a couple of you with that never have an opinion. Would you touch someone next to you and tell them you really do need to take a side? Come on, on something in your life. Tell them Jesus did. All right, come on. Let me, let me go here. I done made, made some of you so mad, and we'll get you healed later. He that is of God heareth God's words. You therefore hear them not. Because you're not of God. Then answered to Jews. They responded to Jesus. And they said unto him. Say we not well. That thou art a Samaritan. And has a devil. Notice what they did. They went personal. I'm going to let that soak in. Isn't that amazing when you argue with certain people. They won't stay with the topic. They got to talk about you. You got to call me names. This is, this is like, uh, you know, living in a world where you say something intellectual and then someone says something about your mother or your father. It's, what, what does that have to do with the argument? That's like having a good debate and they make it personal and tell you, well, your breath is bad. <laughs> no, I'm serious. Or, or they look at you, well, you look funny. Well, that may be true. I, well, your head is large. It may be but it has nothing to do with the argument. Your feet are short. Uh, maybe. Your, you, whatever. Don't ever make it personal. Stay with a principle. Watch how Jesus did this. This will bless you. So Jesus is telling them that if, if you really could hear God, uh, <laughs> you, you would know who I am. He says, but you all can't even hear God. And notice what they did. They went personal. Then they answered the Jews did, and they said unto him, well, you can say whatever you want to, but you're just a Samaritan. In other words, you're not really Jewish. And by the way, and you have a devil. Verse 49, Jesus answered, I have not a devil, but I actually honor my father. And you do dishonor me. I'm still talking about the doctrine of faith here. And I don't seek, these are still the words of Christ, and I don't seek my own glory. 
There's one that seeketh and judgeth. Verily, verily, or I'm going to tell you guys something. I say unto you, here's the words of Jesus to them. If a man keep my saying, everybody say if. Come on, say it again. Say if. Now, if you keep his saying is predicated on if you don't, you don't get the benefits. Are you listening to me? How many have a bank account? And it's, some, it's yours, not somebody else's. That means you didn't steal their numbers. It's really your bank account. How many, <laughs> how many know if you have a bank account, you should have access to that account? Now, if you don't have access, even though it's your account, you cannot get the personals that may belong in the account. You must produce the proper identification in order to get it. Please keep those little things in mind. Go to verse 51 one more time. He says, verily, verily, I say unto you, if a man keep my saying, he shall never see death. Then said the Jews unto him, now we know that thou has a devil. Abraham is dead. Because this is who they esteem. And the prophets, because this is who the Jews esteem. And you say, Jesus, you're saying, if a man keep your sayings, he's never going to die? Art thou greater, Jesus, than our father Abraham, which is dead, and the prophets that are dead? Who do you think you are? Who maketh thou thyself? Who do you think you are, Mr. Big Stuff? <laughs> Anybody 45 and older in here? Fake it. I know you want to be 21. Who do you think you are, Mr. Big Stuff? Never going to get my... All right, come on. Y'all, the young folk, they have no idea. All right. Note how he answers. Are thou, go back to 43. Are thou greater than our father Abraham, which is dead, and the prophets that are dead? And whom do you think you are? Jesus answered. If I honor myself, then my honor is nothing. It is my father that honoreth me, of whom you say that he is your God. Now watch this, man. If you were in an English class that taught how to debate, this is the perfect setup right here. This is how you set them up. I'm sorry. I get excited when I see. Listen, I love to win. And when I see a door of victory, I get excited. It's almost like your opponent think he has you. But you got something and you're about to hit him with it. But they don't know they're about to be hit. Let me make it plainer. You have a devil that's rocking your world, and it looks like the devil is going to win, but he doesn't know you got another card, and you're about to use your card. He think he has you. Will you touch two people and tell them the enemy may think he has me down? Tell them, but oh, but I got a word waiting for him. Watch this. You want to watch something masterful. Watch how Jesus did this. Go back to 54. Jesus answered. He said, look, well, if I honor myself, my honor is nothing. It is my father. In other words, he's dealing with the Jews saying, look, I know who you think your father is. He said, the father that you think you guys are serving, it's him. That's who honors me. He says that he is your God. This is what he's saying in verse 55. Yet you've not known him. Jesus is still talking. He said, you've not known him, but I know him. And if I should say I know I'm not, I should be like a liar like you. Oh, that's in your book, people. Come on. Come on. Look up at the screen. Jesus, I thought he was meek and lowly. Man, Jesus is dropping the bomb. He said, if I lie and act like I don't know the Father, then I'm acting like you liars. Can, can we time out here? Our kids are in the back. Can you imagine talking to someone like this? Man, we would be called crazy wingers and, and you, whatever. Man, I got a lot to say here. Come on, look at how Jesus did with this. He says, you've not known him, but I know him. And if I should say I know him not, I should be a liar like you. But I know him and I keep his saying. Your father, Jesus is still speaking, your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day. And he saw it and was glad. Then said the Jews unto him, man, please. Did it say right? 
Well, that's my interpretation. Man, please. Thou art not 50 years old. And you've seen, come on, Jesus. You ain't 50. Abraham been dead for several hundred years. I'm still talking about the, the, the basic fundamental doctrine of faith here. Note what Jesus is saying right here. Thou art 50 years old, they said to him, and thou hast seen Abraham. Jesus said unto them, verily, verily, I say unto you, before Abraham was. Wait a minute. We got a problem. Because Jesus just called himself what God called himself in the Old Testament. How many remember the teaching of the Old Testament when, 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 when Moses having this experience, the bush is burning and Moses is freaking out? Because if you read it in the original language, Moses is looking at this bush like, whoa, I live in the desert, but I've never seen a bush burn and just keep burning. And this thing has Moses. Moses is looking at this thing. And then all of a sudden, a voice begins to speak. Man, if a bush was burning and, and all of a sudden out of a bush, a bush begins to speak, some of y'all would run up out this church. Be like, ouch, the, the devil's in that church. I got to get out of here. That voice begins to speak. And when this voice is speaking, the voice says to Moses, this is what I want you to do. I want you to go into fair. I want you to say this, say that. Moses is bewildered. Moses says, well, who should I say send me? And, and out of this, oh, God, thank you. Out of this, this is what Moses heard. Tell him I am. Notice something? Jesus just used the same. This is why I said it to my Jewish friend. I said, now either Jesus is a liar or he is who he said that he is. Because how do we know? Well, wait a minute, Pastor. How do we know it? Look at the next verse. It will really give you an idea that they really thought he had blasphemed against God. Then took up the stones to cast at Jesus. In other words, they, <laughs> they were about to rock him. But Jesus hid himself, and he went into the temple, going through the midst of them, and so passed by. Go over to verse 58 in the Amplified, please, if you don't mind. Look at it one more time. Jesus replied, I assure you most solemnly, I tell you, before Abraham was born, if you look at it in the Amplified, it literally has the same name of God that Jesus is saying about himself. Jesus didn't say, I'm one of the second fiddles. He didn't say, I'm part of this. He said, no, no, no. He says, when you look at God, you're looking at me. I am who I said that I am. The basic part of your doctrine is understanding that Jesus is God in the flesh. If you don't understand that Jesus is God in the flesh, then your attitude will change when you're in trouble. And I'll prove it to you in just a moment. Well, why do I need to know all that? I'm going to show you something, and I, I pray that you really, really grab this with everything that's in you. Turn with me very quickly over to 1 Peter 2. And 24. 1 Peter 2. And we're going to go straight in uh, to verse number uh, 24. 1 Peter 2. And look with me, if you will, uh, at verse number uh, 24. His own self bear our sins. This is still dealing with the doctrine of faith, people. In his own body. On the tree. That we, being dead to sins, should live unto righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. Now, if I stop there without giving you the whole or giving you a different version, you're going to sound like you're reading 16th century Shakespearean language. Go over to the Amplified, if you don't mind. Go over to the Amp, and, and, and let's take a look at it from, from there as well. Look at the Amplified translation. I really do believe it will help you uh, a little more. All right. Let's do this. Uh, yep. He personally did what? Wait, he did what? Keep reading. In his own what? On a tree. As what? As on an altar and offered who? Okay, on it, right? For what purpose? That we might die or what? Cease to exist to sin. Keep reading. Hold it. And, and who lives to righteousness? All right. And we live to right. How? 
All right. Now, understand this because you may be new in the Lord. I gave this illustration in the first service. Bear with me. Let me do it again. Every one of you that came through those front doors, one of those front doors, let me see your hand this morning. That means you were dropped off or you drove here or something and you got there. Let me take you through the Old Testament mind. If you don't understand it, you won't understand the scripture. When you, I want you to imagine this. In the Old Testament, the only part of the church service that most believers could have, we would have had to been able to drive up to the door, get right before these doors, before entering into the sanctuary. And every believer here, we would all, all of us, all of us, except for certain of us that were called to do certain things, the rest of everybody in here would have to stop at that door. You could not get in. Are y'all getting this? Because I don't want you to not get this. Everyone imagine, you've driven to church, you've come up, you got out of your car, you got your belongings. You get all the way into the foyer area there, and then you stop. Because you are not allowed in the building. The building is too holy for you to come in. In the Old Testament, they would send in the guy that was called to go in. Call him the pastor if you want to. But this priest would go in with a rope tied around our ankles. And we would have these little bells. Man, I wish I could really preach this because this really shows you how Jesus, how that lady that touched the hem of his garment, what she was really touching was really an Old Testament type of what was going on with the priest. But that's a whole nother subject. Preachers get excited when we see all these symbolisms that are running through our minds and our spirits. So imagine a rope is tied around me. You all guys, all of you have come here, first and second service, and I'm going in. With the little bell. That means that when you get there, you're quiet because you're trying to listen to make sure that I go in to offer up this perfect sacrifice. Now, here's the problem. If I have sin in my life, by the time I get to doing my job, if you don't hear the bells... I'll never hear the bells if you leave me. All of a sudden, the bells stop. Here's what you all would be doing. Y'all would get together the rope. And I'm, I'm dragging, man. I'm dragging through here. I'm dead. Watch this. I went in for you because you were not allowed to come into the sanctuary. I'm pulled out, but here's the problem. All of the sins that you've committed that year, they stay on you. All of them. So whatever dumb stuff you've done because of me, <laughs> you messed up. Because you stuck. And you can't get around it. And ain't no other way to get it. And God only made one way for this thing to happen. And so if the priest was messed up, the whole place was messed up. And so you had to pull me out. Watch what Jesus does. Go back. Go back. Let's go back. Go back to the amp. Go back to that Peter portion. Come on. Let's go. He personally. Come on. Make a New Testament. He personally bore our sins in his own body on a tree. As an altar, he offered up. So he comes into G to G. He offers up himself. And because there's no sin in him that we got to pull him out. Now, all of a sudden, all the sins we've committed will commit, have committed because one sacrifice this is still the doctrine of faith. Because of one sacrifice, all of a sudden, we are healed. 
Healing is not just sick in your body, people. Healing can be emotional. It can be sickness in the body. But healing from broken down. In other words, you may have been the victim of a rape, a victim of molestation. You may have had bad parents. A whole lot of things may have happened negative in your life. What Jesus is simply saying is you are never going to be able to use the excuse any longer because you come out of a bad home, bad situation, bad environment. Woe is you. Nothing good is ever going to happen. Jesus said, wait a minute. I went into the sanctuary for you. I offered up myself. And when I came out, I didn't have to have nobody pulling me. I walked out on my own and I made the de declaration. It is finished. Now everybody can come into the church on their own. You ain't even got to wait for me. You can get here before me. As long as you come in with some thanksgiving and some rejoicing, God says, whenever you speak, I'm already there. I'm already listening to you. Would you give two people a high five and tell them Jesus already worked it out? So we ain't got to wait. Why is this so important to us? Because he's already done it. That means that you don't have to. I'm going to blow your mind. You can't do it. I'll prove it. Can you give me just five more minutes? Oh, boy. I tell you, if those preachers weren't so long-winded, we, we could finish the whole series. But no. All right, come on. Go with me. I want to show you one more uh, in, in the same heading, uh, if you don't mind. Go over with me to 1 Corinthians 15. Come on. 1 Corinthians 15. And I hope you get this. God, I hope you get this. First Corinthians, the 15th chapter. Soon as you get it, say amen. All right. And we're going to go. Let's start over there at verse one. I love this. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also you've received. And wherein, by the way, you stand, by which also you are saved. Here's that word again. Here's a conjunction. If, touch somebody on the shoulder, tell them this is predicated upon something here. Tell them it's not your work, but if you continue to believe. If you, can, if you keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless, unless you have believed in vain for I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures and that he was buried and that he rose again on the third day according to the scriptures look with me if in, in, uh, let's go to the amplified real quick and now let me remind you since it seems to have escaped you y'all probably better read that with me I don't want y'all to think I'm just making this up come on go to the amplified look at verse one come on out loud read with pastor and now let me remind you since it seems to have escaped you brethren of the gospel the glad tidings of salvation, which I proclaim to you, which you welcome and accepted, and upon which your faith, what? Wait a minute, people. Your faith then cannot rest on any other thing other than what Paul said he delivered unto us, which was the faith of God that really came through Abraham. I'll prove it in just a moment. Go to verse number two uh, with me, if you don't mind. Come on, read with pastor. And by which you were what? You are saved if, there it is again, if you hold fast and keep firmly what I preach to you, unless you believed at first without effect and all for nothing. Come on, read verse three. For I passed on to you, first of all, what I also had received. What was that, Paul? That Christ the Messiah, the anointed one, died for our sins in accordance with what the scriptures foretold. That he was what? Buried. And he did what? Rose on the third day as what? So notice what Paul is doing. 
Paul says our faith is predicated upon what the scripture says. I want y'all to make sure you please write that down. Not upon your emotions, but what the scripture says. Well, I don't feel saved. It's not based on your feelings. I'm going to say it again. Well, I got up. I didn't feel it. Honey, please. You may not feel like a whole. Can, Can we talk? Our young people in the back today, how many, I need honesty, only honesty. I know everyone's not going to raise up their hand. How many at times don't feel like going to work? I just need some honest people. I have some teenagers here. You guys ever feel like not going to school? Of course they do. They don't, even my little babies back there, my little McKinney babies back there, they, they don't even know, they ain't even in school. They already raising their hand. So they letting you know by faith. I'm too, look, they were back there lifting up their hands. I'm not kidding. I wish y'all could see it. I ask a question, they just lift up their hands. So they're acting in faith already. Like I'm too, I'm not even in school, but I don't even feel like going. Even though they may have some goodies for me, I still don't want to go. How many know that even though you don't feel like doing something, come on. Because of a responsibility, you do it. Can I talk to your parents? How many have children? How many know there are times, as parents, you still don't feel like going to work? But how many know there are kids that need to be fed? Come on, braces that need to be put on teeth. Shoes that wear out every other month. Come on. And you got to make ends meet or else them babies ain't going to have it. That's why you children need to, you young people need to be excited that your parents get up and go to work because they could be lazy parents and don't work. I'll leave it alone. You know, the Bible says anybody that doesn't work isn't worse than an infidel. I just thought I would throw it out there. I didn't make it up. I'm just saying what the scripture said. First Corinthians 15 and one. I want to show you something. Come on. First Corinthians 15 and one. You saw that, right? Verse 4, he did what? He was buried. He rose on the third day as what? As the scripture. Now, turn with me just one more. I can't finish this whole thing, but go over to Romans 4 and 1. Come on. Romans 4. I just want to make sure you're getting all this because, again, if you don't understand these basic doctrines, you won't understand how this stuff is really going to impact your life. And we'll go to the KJV first. No, I better not. Because, man, this is going to be so Shakespearean to some of you. Y'all are going to hear. Well, let's go to KJV. You might as well learn the language. Come on. You missed it in school. I'm going to make sure that your teacher got her or his dollars worth. You thought, oh, I'm glad I don't have to take that subject anymore. Wrong. I'm making sure you're going to get that subject whether you wanted to or not. Those of you that skipped out on literature, you're going to learn literature. Come on. Come on. Beginning at verse 1. Come on. What shall we say then? That Abraham, our father, as pertaining to the flesh, has found. For if Abraham was justified by works, he hath whereof to glory, but not before God. For what says the scripture? Abraham did what? And it was counted unto him. Verse 4. Now to him that worketh is the reward, not reckoned of grace, but of debt. All right. I know I lost some of you. Go to the amp. Because some, some of y'all sound like if you've never been filled, you just spoke in tongues for the first time. All right, come on. Go to verse number one in the Amplified. Come on, read with Pastor. But if so, what shall we say about Abraham? Our forefather, humanly speaking, what did he find out? How does this affect his position and what was gained by him? For if Abraham was what? Stop right there. Please write down justification is where we get part of our word salvation from. Please write that down. You need to make sure you grab that because this is really part of the doctrine of faith here. So if you understand the doctrine of faith, you must understand this is part. You know what's amazing to me? People can watch TV all night long and doesn't bother them. The moment I put you to work, you, you just in a stupor. Pinch your neighbor if you have to. Just touch him. Say, you need to know the word. Tell him that's why your life is the way it is right now. Because you watch too much TV and you don't pay attention to the word. All right, come on. <laughs> Some of y'all just lost. Oh, Lord. Just, my game is almost on. What time is it? Lord? They kick off at 1 o'clock. That's your problem. You're, just, you're full of game. 
I'm going to pause it out even longer. When our, when our Chicago Bears, don't get mad, Ruben. When our Chicago Bears was playing Super Bowl, this was a long time ago, back in the 80s. Do you know where we had to go? We had to go to church. I couldn't understand. I was like, come on, Bishop. We want to watch the game. Chicago never in the Super Bowl. And we're finally in the Super Bowl, but we had evening service. No, I didn't take off. I confess I backslid that day. All right, come on. I watched that game. I got in the first part of the Terry service of Dr. Gans. Went up on the Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, David. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. I'm out. <laughs> it's true. It's a true story. And when y'all see Minister John, blame him. He was with me. All right, come on. Go back to the Amplify. But if so, come on, read with Pastor. Let's go all the way up to the top. Verse number one. But if so, what shall we say about Abraham, our forefather, humanly speaking? What did he find out? How does this affect his position and what was gained by him? For if Abraham was justified, which is established as just by acquittal from guilt, by good works, stop right there. That just simply means that if he got saved based on him doing something, all right? And if you don't understand that, please write that down. That's simply saying that they're, they're trying to, Paul is showing us here in Rome that he's saying, look, let me show you how Abraham got saved or justified, which was he was acquitted of, of guilt, which is what happens to the believer when he or she gives his or her life to the Lord. It's not about then what we do. It's about what Jesus have already done for us. So that's what being acquitted is all about. Listen, listen. It doesn't mean you're not guilty. He sets us free, not because we deserve it. Come on, give someone a high five and tell them, honey, I'm guilty for real. Tell them I should have paid that price. But Jesus comes and says, I, even though you're guilty, even though you should be in spiritual prison, Jesus says, I got something for you. Come on, let's find out what that is. Come on, let's go, let's go all the way back. Go back to verse 2. Come on, read with Pastor. For if Abraham was justified, which is established as just by acquittal from guilt, by good works that he did then, he has grounds for boasting, but not before God. Now, what it's telling us, that if Abraham was guilty and he did all these good works and he could justify it, then he has a right to boast. But then Paul tells us he, he may boast, but he don't have a right to do it before God. So everyone say with me, it's not about your good works. All right, come on. Verse three, what for what does the scripture say? Abraham did what? Believed in, which is what? Trusted in God and it was credited to his account as righteousness, Right living and right standing with God. Wait, wait, wait. Don't go to verse number four. Note how he got this thing credited. He got it credited by believing. Now, if you're not old enough to understand this, if you have a charge card and you owe something on it, but you didn't have the money to pay it. At the end of the month, when you look at your billing statement, you see, wait a minute. I know I have a charge of $1,000, but all of a sudden you see credited to your account a $1,000 that you didn't put in there. That means that somebody else paid that bill for you, even though it was your bill. Are you following me? All right, come on. Let's go a little further. I want to make sure that you get it. Come on, verse 3 one more time. For what does the scripture say? Come on, read. Abraham believed in, trusted in God, and it was credited to his account as righteousness. Stop right there. So our righteousness does not come because you wear a long dress. If you're not older Pentecostal, you have no idea what I'm talking about. Your righteousness not, don't come because you don't put on makeup. I know it's hard for y'all to even believe people believe this stuff. But Dr. Gans taught and believed it. She came out of that church. I'm sorry. No, she didn't. But almost. But her dad didn't teach it, thank God. But she did come out of that Reformation. 
And they believed that if the dress wasn't super long, I didn't come out. I was a pilgrim passing through. I never believed it. The devil was in that. And Dr. Gans would wear, everybody point to her right now. She would wear long dresses. Oh, I got pictures. <laughs> Todd Deacon, she sweeped the floor. She come through there. She never smiled. I'm all right. I'm kidding. She did. All right. But she understand. Here's the point. There are churches that teach. It's how studious you are, how you look, how upright you are. They never smile. I'm not kidding. y'all. I wish I could make this up. I know older saints that if they smile, they think they would go to hell. Oh, in the church, they would never smile. And if you smile, they would, you, they would misinterpret the scripture. There's a scripture that says about uh, being jesting and, and don't jest and that sort of thing. They would use the scripture. The Bible says don't jest in the house of God. And you'd be like, <laughs> you'd be afraid to move because they would just look at you. No one ever smiled. They wore long stuff, no makeup. And they thought looking ugly, I mean plain, was holy. Come on, Sister Glenda, you know what I'm talking about. TJ, where's TJ at? Is she here today? Oh, she done low. There she is. TJ, when TJ first came to the church. Came with that long stuff on. Hair pulled back so tight. I thought she was Asian descent. I didn't know. I just didn't know. And she got over here and all of her folks was mad. Going over to that church where they wear pants. The women got on pants going to hell. I know y'all, it's hard for people to believe this. Because people, it's hard for, but those are works. Those are doing things that have nothing to do with the real issue. And note how the, you need to see this. Because again, if you don't understand this kind of basic doctrine, and you, you know what you'll think? Well, if I was just holy enough, I, you can't. There's nothing you could, Jesus, this is about Jesus, man. This is not about you. Oh, I know that we have our role to play and we should sanctify ourselves, but we'll never reach perfection. Oh, you're just giving people a license to be wrong. You're going to be wrong anyway. I don't got to give you a license for that. You could be in church for 100 years. You're going to still have an issue. Don't look at me funny. Some of you know I'm not going to have an issue. Sure you do. You got them now. You, 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 you judge people who don't even know what they're going through. I heard she going through a divorce. You would too if you were being beat. But you don't know that part, but you make a judgment. Well, it just seems to me that God is... Will you stop? Will you leave people alone? You didn't buy this. Jesus did this one. And if Jesus did it, would you touch two people and say, you need to leave these folk alone. You know, unless you want a pastor, go get your church and then they can come with you. Other than here, you ain't ruling up in here. One rule, I'm under his rule. And that's the bottom line. Er, there's the stop line right there. All right, come on. Let's go with me in the word here. Look at, well, come on one more time. Verse number two. I got to go. I got to go. Come on, read with me out loud. For if Abraham was what? Which is what? As just by acquittal from guilt, by good works that he did then. He has grounds for boasting, but not before God. Verse 3, for what does the scripture say? Abraham believed in, trusted in God, and it was credited to his account as righteousness, which is what? Right living and right standing with God. Verse number 4, now to a laborer, his wages are not counted as a favor or a gift, but as an obligation. Stop right there. It simply means that if you work to do something, then you should look for a paycheck. That's all it's really, really saying. Read verse 4 one more time. Now to a laborer, his wages are not counted as a favor or a gift, but as an obligation. What? Something owed. What is the doctrine of faith then? The doctrine of faith has nothing to do with you and I other than our portion of just trusting. Trusting what? Trusting what Jesus already did. There's nothing you can do. Listen to me, please. Close your Bibles. I'm finished. I'm finished. Close your Bibles. I need you to hear, Pastor. 
There's nothing you can do to make yourself more righteous. I hate to tell you that. Because for some people, well, I can just live any kind of way I want to live and I can do anything I want to do. Because after all, Jesus has did it. No, Paul went on to say, God forbid, you don't do that. Our responsibility is not to be perfect, but to continue perfecting. And so we're never going to be perfect, but we're always striving to be better, to be mature. And if we're going to be mature, that means that once we hear the word of the Lord, we want to become better. Are you following me? Would you stand real quick? I got to go, but I want to make sure you grab something. When you're really doing the will of God, listen to pastor, please. When you're, when you're desire, as a matter of fact, I want you to confess this to someone. The Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. I want you to confess the word of God. Would you do an exercise with me? I only have three minutes. Would you grab two to three people by their hand if you don't mind, please? And look at them eyeball to eyeball. Come on, make sure. Now, if you don't know them, please introduce yourself. Don't just hold their hand. They could have been in here to rob you. I don't know. Tell them as a believer, you and I, we have an obligation. Say our obligation is not to hide from our responsibility. Say our responsibility is to strive to be and to do better. Tell that person while you're holding their hand, please. Don't become complacent in living your life the way you've always lived your life. Ask them this question, what good has come out of you not living a life that's not pleasing to God? Tell them if you look at your life and the bad things, you will see your decisions were not based on doctrine, but based on your emotion. Tell that person, you and I have a responsibility to live better, to do better, to strengthen one another. So let's go up to the next level in God. If you really prayed that, let that hand go and put your hands together. Come on. We hope this message has been a blessing in your life. To hear more inspiring, transformative messages, Visit glorytoglory.org and make sure you follow and like us on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram.